Do you want to lead us in? How about you bring us in? Yeah, I could probably do that. Sure, I'll do it. That's I just I I've, I always do it. All right, well, because you're good at it. Remember, like you and me would have to do it every time, and then Alex could never really get it right. I just feel weird, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like whenever I do the intro, I don't like how it sounds, and not after listening to it back afterwards. It's just like in like the moment. in the moment, I'm like, I really don't like anything I'm saying right now. So, what's the weirdest thing about an intro? Because like basically, it's just saying hi. I think it's because when I do it, I feel like I'm reading off a script because I do it the exact same every time. It doesn't feel natural. Like, I'm just, hey, let's have a conversation, buddy. It's like, hey, this is the same intro. So you want it more like... Uh... Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Hi, welcome to Grapple Talk. Thanks for stopping in. I'm Jesse Von Ruden, of course, joined by Nick Ragnar here. We just we just got done talking about the uh, the complexities of intros, Nick, and uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people sitting at home right now either probably listen to this podcast while they're taking a deuce or doing the dishes or maybe after doing a deuce and doing the dishes, you know, they're probably wondering, are intros really that important? You just totally, like, inceptioned me. I'm not even sure what's going on right now. Are we in the podcast? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm recording. Yeah, we are We are one with the podcast now, and, like, the uh, the top is spinning a little bit. The top is wiggling. Yeah, you're just, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. You even yeah. referenced the movie. Good mm-hmm. job. Yeah, that was a, that was very well done. That Have was good. Have you actually went back and watched Inception lately? I No, I last time I saw it was, like, maybe two years ago. I have not seen it, but I remember while watching it, I was like, whoa, that's that's definitely different. Um, I really like movies that do that, by the way. I think that's – I honestly consider that to be a very important factor in, like, me thinking a movie or a television series is good. Like, Catch Me Off Guard, similar to wrestling. Oh, I, thought, I thought for there. a second there you're going to be talking about a new show called Catch Me Off Guard. Catch Me Off Guard? Is that a real show or no, are you just joking no, around no. right it now? It sounded like a oh, good show. Uh, doesn't it sound pretty decent? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, it, it's ingrained in us as people, but it's like wrestling too where – when you know what the outcome is or you could predict it, you know, it's not as satisfying, even if it is something that's somewhat jarring and, like, that doesn't really make a ton of sense. It's still like, whoa, that's that's crazy. But I'm really happy that happened because now I go back and I'm like, how did they make that work? It's like Heavy Rain. Have you ever played that video game before? Damn, that's a good video game. Heavy Rain? Yeah. You you play, basically, here, we'll just mm-hmm. talk about this. We're, we're venturing off into RGG now. Um, heavy rain, though you, it's basically you're you're you are taking control of a few different characters involved in what you would maybe consider to be like a thriller, soap opera, drama, mm-hmm. television show where this dude's kid is kidnapped and you're like you're taking control of these characters and you're you're basically just playing off their emotions. It's not like you're an action game by any means, but you you know have a bunch of dialogue and you decide how people act and and who does what. And then at the end, you find out who the bad guy is, and you're like, whoa, no way, that blows my mind. So it's a, it's a murder mystery across Dungeons & Dragons. Yes, uh, yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, you don't have, I mean, you, you don't have the ability to do whatever you How want. How should Sophie interact with Mark? Row five. 
<laughs> is that is that basically how it no. is? No. Wow. No, there's no rolling of die. But uh, I've always wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. Have you, you ever played it? You know, I played it a little bit when I was younger, like fifth not too and bad. sixth grade. It wasn't bad. It was a fun experience. Maybe we should get a Dungeons and Dragons crew going here. Uh, it's actually a really expensive hobby. Is like, it? I, I've stopped into River City Hobbies a couple times just to be like, man, what if I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons? Like, how much would it cost? So to buy the Dungeons Dragons manual, it's basically like the handbook. It's fucking 50 bucks. Whoa. Yeah, no shit. So, like, you're thinking to yourself, I'm like, all right, well, I have no friends. So I'm just so, going to buy this book just to hang out and, like, read it. I bet, you if you, I bet if you Googled or if you Facebooked, like, Dungeons & Dragons group Lacrosse, Wisconsin, I bet something would pop up. Yeah, probably. Be like, Wel- welcome! Welcome, Jesse Von Raspberry, to the to our League of Dungeons and League of Dragonus. I'd be like, hey... Hey, nice to see you. Don't you live down the street from me? <laughs> no, that is my that is my other vessel, Charles Winkleberg. I am Sir Lanceberger, King of the Seven McDonald's Regions. The Seven McDonald's Regions. See, doesn't wow. that seem fun though that you can role play like that? Well, a little bit. Or am I know? thinking of LARPing now too much? Maybe I'm crossing them together. I don't know. Well, okay, I've never okay, played Dungeons. Okay, I don't so know. so Dungeons and Dragons basically is a tabletop strategy kind of like role playing game. But well, do you like act out your characters at all? Well, a little bit, a little Maybe. bit. Some it depends. Like some people like to do it to a certain degree. Okay. You know, um, some people like to really get theatrical. Some people are just kind of like they get into the headspace of the character, so they start thinking about like you know the character. It'd be kind of like. You know, you ever watch uh, special editions on DVDs where they have, like, the table reading of the script, and then you actually get to see the episode? Yes, yes. So it's kind of like that. So, oh, okay. so imagine Dungeons & Dragons is kind of like the table reading of the script, while LARPing is actually where the cameras are rolling. Yeah. You know, that's, like, the best way to kind of really describe it. I think with LARPing, to me, the unfortunate thing there, and I, if you LARP, that's awesome, mm-hmm. but I think for me it's, like, you spend all the time getting geared up and then it's like, what if you have, like, really nice clothes, and then you fall down, and then, like, you get a grass stain on them. It's like, oh, shit. I can't believe I just did that in my sweet-ass LARP gear. See, the difference between – now I'm going to explain this because uh-huh. there's probably people that wrestle that are like, well, how is that different from wrestling? Let me tell you. The difference is that, you know, if you are, uh, let's say, having a match, in a wrestling match, and you are, you are in the middle of the ring, you are still capturing the audience's attention, almost as if you were wrestling on, like, a larger scale. With LARPing – you might have all the badass gear, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you're probably using a foam sword. And it's very hard to suspend your belief enough to be like, I'm not f- hitting this fucker with a foam sword right now. You so, know what I mean? So you're saying basically LARPing needs to step up to the 21st century I th- I and th- use real swords. I think they need to use real swords and just be really careful. I don't know if you can be careful. You know, like I watched this great documentary called Walk Hard. The story of Dewey Cox. Yeah, that's yeah. He uh, he he chopped his no, brother in a, half with machete. He's a real. That's John C. Riley. Um, sure. He's an actor. <laughs> but anyhow, he chops his brother oh, okay. in half with machete, and yeah. they were really careful. Yeah, that's true. I guess you I know? don't know. There's just something like at least with wrestling, it's like, oh, hey, you know, we are doing, you know, but but and if you're larping and you have like fake, you know, like magic dust, and you like, huh. Here's my magic dust. Lower your charisma by 20 points. Oh, shit. Now I can't go to the shop and buy some new boots because my charisma's low. Wait, 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 wait. So you can't go to the shop and buy boots if your charisma's low? I don't know. I don't know what... That would honestly, dude, like if I could mm-hmm. go LARP and be involved in like a village. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this is this is the village of LARPing. Welcome, Nikki Douche, serve the seven... 
Douches. dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, would you like a chicken leg? And it's like, what is what is your charisma at? And I'm like, uh, 10 points. I don't know. He's like, great. Here's your chicken leg. I don't you know. You know what? I can't wait, Nick. It's like this a video is, game. This is going to be great. 500 years in the future where people are actually LARPing as people today. Yeah, that'd be... Wouldn't that be a fucking trip? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a trip? You'd be like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm I'm Johnny. I'm on my social medias. You know, oh, you I'm know, getting butthurt about something. It'll, it'll be more like, hey, dude, want to come over and LARP? And it's like, yeah, dude, I'll be there in a sec. Because he transported there. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. let's LARP. Uh, hey, let's get in our cars because those are foreign ideas because now we just transport everywhere and just drive around. Like, that's what LARPing will be like. Oh, so basically LARPing is going to be like real life right now. Yeah. So if we go back five, So if we go back 500 years in the past, so LARPing <laughs> now, like, is that actually how real life was back then? Yeah, probably. I, I kind of call bullshit on that. Let us fight over the love of this young lady with our swords drawn and our chests out. Listen, Billy, I really don't want to fuck this goat. Why are you challenging me to this fight? That's exactly what probably happened. You know, what like, do you think LARPing uh, was like 500 years ago? Okay, so 500 years ago, so you're LARPing turn of the century, right? Like 1,000, right? Yeah, probably. Maybe it's just like people are running away from Vikings. I don't know. Maybe you know? That, what is LARPing like, like, I don't know, around the time that Jesus was around? Like, they were they acting like dinosaurs and shit? Like, I don't no. know how far back they go. Uh, so, like, the, the long history of LARPing. What if Jesus was a LARPer? You know what the craziest shit is that I mean, now we're what just if, way what out if of Laz- here. Oh, who was who's the fucking leper? Was that Lazarus? Was Lazarus the leper? I don't know. In the Bible, uh, it doesn't matter. Maybe he was a LARPer, not a leper. Maybe, maybe they it was just a typo in the Bible. Yeah, and maybe like he actually <laughs> cured him from his disease and pretended to be someone else. Oh my God, that would just be wild. Here's my yeah. thing. I read this lately, and now we're just venturing off. If you want to hear about wrestling, skip ahead like maybe three minutes. Um, <laughs> who was it? I think I read somewhere uh-huh. that. The, the discovery of dinosaurs didn't happen until, like, the, what was it, the late 1800s or something like that? Something or the like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in theory, the first president of the United States never knew that dinosaurs existed. How fucking weird is that to think about? So you're saying, that blow like, your mind? Our, our founding, like George Washington, our founding, founding fathers, fathers yes. who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Didn't know dinosaurs were real. Yeah. Oh, you Isn't know what? I bet, you, I bet you they did. Think about this, all right? Well, they probably did. I'm uh, talking okay, about, okay. like, the 1700 people, dude. Okay, so, like, the people in the 1600s. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Here's the, here's the thing, all right? So, if you the the actual, like, finding of fossils, right? Yeah. In the scientific record wasn't until, like, the 18th century or whatever. But here's the crazy thing, though. It's, like, if you have stories of, like, dragons and these giant monsters and stuff like that for years and years and years, there's a reason for that. Because people were finding yeah. fucking bones everywhere. Yeah. So it's just it wasn't documented. That's exactly yeah. how the 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 dragon phenomenon came about was that people would find these fossils and go, mm-hmm. what the fuck are these creatures, dragons? Yeah. When in reality they were just dinosaur fossils, but that's still dude, mm-hmm. that's crazy to think about that that was like three hundred years ago and people were like, dude, what the hell is this stuff? Must have been crazy ass dragons flying around. I almost kinda wanna think of like someone's sitting there with like a rolled up cigarette and be like what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? Maybe yeah, that's what happened. I, I was out I here know. tilling my field with my oxen, and my blade hit this, and the goddamn femur bone of some giant ass creature. Is that not? Yeah. You know? No wonder why my wife's not horny, because there's a giant bone in this field. I think that is wild to yeah. think about. It blows my mind. Yeah. You know what else is wild to think about? What is that? 
I don't know. Are you going to be on any wrestling shows this weekend? Um, No, this weekend is actually, uh, it's just a road trip weekend. Uh, I decided I was going to go film a couple commercials this weekend, make some extra side cheddar, you know. Because, like, you know. Side cheddar is good cheddar. Yeah, like yeah, it. yeah. Especially when it actually pays more than your shoot job. And yeah. You only have to do it once a month. You yeah. know, it's actually kind of cool. It's a good thing. So, going to go do that Saturday. Sunday, I got dragged into going to the Butterfest Parade to uh, stream it. Gross. Yeah, a lot of it is because, oh, man. So, like, at, at the shoot job, either we are terribly, like, understaffed, which okay. is always true. Yeah. We are very terribly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? Prepared. Okay. On anything and everything. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, Rick's like, oh, hey, I don't know. This guy can do it. Can you do it? And it's like, why don't you show that guy? Like, not everyone's dumb. Yeah. Just show him. Yeah. Show him how to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to get it right. I still like, love that that's like, like your impersonation. I mean, the worst part like is like, that. you're the one who showed me and you don't get it right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's so like fucked. Mickey Mouse. A little bit on acid. Yeah. I'll yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like my plan this weekend is very much just, just work. And perhaps I got, I got to sit down and watch Dominion, you know, because yeah. that was half the reason why you and me actually uh, sat down here and we were talking. Dominion's going to be Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm going to be out on Friday night at RCCW the night prior. Mm-hmm. Cal Creed's going to be wrestling Jared Jackson. I will be uh, oh, that should be managing that. Yeah, it should yeah. be a good match to be a part of. I'm working on my poem right now. Um, it took me a while to get uh, to figure out where, what direction I wanted to take with it, but I like the route that I'm going. I, I think it's very exciting. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be finishing that up, and then, yep, Dominion will be on Saturday morning. Got a couple of things going on Saturday, um, including the uh, opening of Dash Park, actually, in Alaska. Yeah. is happening at 10 a.m., so me and uh, – me and Zari are going to try to head out there and catch that, maybe grab some lunch over there at David Ray's as well. Hey, if you need gift certificates, we've got them. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, we will be, most likely I'll be doing all my catch-up on Dominion because, holy shit, dude, is that going to be a, that honestly, dude, it has to be, outside of any Wrestle Kingdom, one of the most hype shows worldwide for, for New Japan in some time just because of the, the, the names that are going to be there. And by mm-hmm. names, I do mean Chris Jericho and Rey yep. Mysterio. But then some of the feuds that are happening as well. I mean, we are getting the – I don't know if this would necessarily be the finale, but this is this is something that people have been wanting to see for a while, and that's Okada, Omega, two out of three falls. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Naito, Jericho. I mean, wow. Yeah. Dominion historically is known as the second biggest show in New Japan's you know, some, you know, year basically, um, right between, you know, best of the super juniors, right about, right about the time we're about to hit the G1 here in about a month and a half. And it's leading everything up to basically that Cal Palace show as well. So looking at the card, of course, we already, I don't know, you want to start at like the the top or the bottom? Uh, the top. Let's start right. on the top. And I know RGG just probably tuned out because he said he always skips over any New Japan stuff, but you know what? Fuck you, Yeah, dude. fuck him. All right, cool. So starting right on the top, just, this is for RGG right here. We're going to have Okada, who challenged, challenged, if you will, Kenny Omega, and he set the rules for this one, too. He said it is no time limit, two out of three falls. Now, there's a reason why you go no time limit, two, two out of three falls with this one. For the simple fact, match one, Okada won. Match two, time limit draw. Match three, it was a time limit of 30 minutes, and Kenny Omega won. So now it's like, let's see who the better man is. Let's basically put these three matches that we had together one. Do you think this is the time where they pull the belt off Okada, or do you think that wouldn't make a lot of sense at, at where it is and how there's not necessarily a storyline attached? God, I don't know. Because you got to think about it. It's like, all right, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it at some point, right? Yeah. 
Um, he's already on the, uh, the most historical run of any IWGP heavyweight champion. You know, that match he had against Tanahashi set the record. Yep. So we're in foreign territory right now. So the question becomes, like, do you just pull the trigger to pull the trigger? Or do you see how far you can go with Okada before the fans turn their back on I still think Okada, Omega, Naito, triple threat match, Wrestle Kingdom, first time main event. They got to do it. I, will they actually do a triple threat? No, they won't, but they should. Mm-hmm. How weird is this, okay? So of all the titles in New Japan, the only one that's never really had a triple threat match. Is the IWGP yeah. Heavyweight Championship. Especially in the main yeah. event. I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a multi-man main event for Wrestle Kingdom. I might be wrong on that. I guess I'd have to go back. Well, but you not, might, definitely not recently. No, no, no. If he did, it might have been like a tag match or something yeah. like that. So um, I think that'd be really cool. And I, I think that, again, we've talked about this before, but I think WWE, a lot of different indies have shown that triple threat matches can sometimes actually um, really, you know, pull their weight and quite possibly be match of the year candidates. It just depends on who's in that. And obviously those are the some of the best guys uh, in the ring today. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a, a phenomenal match. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if this one does go an hour, maybe even a little bit more, just because there is no time limit. I wouldn't be but shocked if it goes, like, hour 15. Yeah, which is, which is just absolutely nuts to think about. And then you look at some of the other matches – Earlier in the card, Jesse. I mean, you talk. Well, here's the here's the one thing. If you if you're okay. Okada and you're Mega at this point, and let's just make this a general wrestling topic. You know, we we talked about this a couple of times too. I mean, you look at uh, Avalon and Sadist when they had that year. Was that last year or two years ago? Mm-hmm. When it seemed like they wrestled like eighty thousand fucking times. Yeah. But it was always good and it was always different. Now, if you're Omega and Okada at this point, you almost feel like it, it's. You you you've put in you've had an hour long match you had a whatever forty five minute match a twenty eight minute match I mean these guys have gone toe to toe and done what you would probably consider everything and anything they possibly could two out of three falls match how do you keep coming up with stuff to to make it interesting how do you do that you know what you almost do it's like you do you do the quick fall right away in the beginning to put a guy down Ooh. you know well think about that what if you do you know like uh. Omega does something. He's got a submission that's kind of like up his sleeve or something like that. He gets Okada to tap out in that first fall. People are like, oh, my God, Okada tapped out. And then, like, you got the strategy there. You can tell the strategy of the match. Maybe Okada just, you know, needed to get out of that move to move on. You know, maybe Okada does that to Omega or something like that. You can always do that. Do you go an extended period of time before you actually have your first fall? Maybe you go, like, 50 minutes before that first fall. You never know. Or do you actually go past that hour and then just do waterfall falls after that? Sure. Do you do two back-to-back falls, you know? It's always kind of fun because, like, anytime you actually see the stipulation two out of three falls, usually everyone's like, okay, they're going to split a fall each, and then you're going to have, like, sudden death. Yep. Some matches, you see them, and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe that they did two straight falls. Yep. It's almost like the conversation we're going to have with the finals here coming up in a moment or two, but I don't know. Because you got to also think about what exactly is going to be next for either of these guys, especially since you're heading into the Kyle Palace. You got the G1 coming up, and you actually got that all in show as well. Yep. So that'll be very interesting. You look ahead uh, throughout the rest of the card. Uh-huh. We're not going to go over everything, I don't think, necessarily, but we're going to highlight some of these bigger matchups. And one of the, you know, as, as Chris Jericho would probably describe, the biggest matchup on the card Jericho, Naito. Um, obviously, the night after Wrestle Kingdom, these two guys. Uh, well, basically, Jericho... a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Jericho jumped him. And uh, you know? now Naito is putting his Intercontinental Championship on the line. And uh, 
And what I, I I'm 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 pretty curious to see how this is because as we saw at Wrestle Kingdom, Omega worked a Y2J match. Jericho came out on his podcast and said that he said he he basically you know the the, the match that they had was a match that Jericho wanted to do. It was in his style, not Omega's. And I'm curious to see how Naito maybe. Um, shifts his style in order to, to fit with what it is that Jericho can do at his age. I mean, obviously he can still go with the best of them, but I, I'm just curious to see that because I, I, I've always wondered that after Jericho's podcast where he kind of said, you know, Omega really kind of catered to what I needed to be done. I'm, I'm curious to see if Naito will do the same thing. I would be shocked if Naito does, you know, because you got to think about it, right? This guy, he's smart. It's a big match. A lot of eyeballs are on it. You know, like what? a lot of rest, you know, Wrestling fans here in the West, they they know who Naito is, but there's a lot of wrestling fans who don't know who he is. Yeah, it's gonna be a big first exposure for him, especially taking on a guy like Jericho, who arguably at this point in time, I think you can put him in a top five all time. I'm happy to hear he's my favorite all time. Yeah, you know, like just versatility of his career, the 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 ability to adapt, like he's there. He is definitely there. Do you think that there is any chance whatsoever that he beats Naito? You know, and maybe there, does that there, thing where he he yeah. beats him and then he loses it. I think they have a is it the next night or they have something going on either the next night or the next couple of weeks where they said that there is an opportunity where it was kind of like a house show element that he would lose it on or something. There, there's a part of me that almost wonders like if you do, you know, like if you have him beat Naito, that's big news. But at the same time, though, it's like maybe like Naito needs this victory more than Jericho does. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Because like a, a victory against a guy like Jericho for, for Naito, that's cements him. Yep. You know, that's instant clout right there. And I know like you, you listen to the interviews back and forth with these guys, and you know, old Jericho really relish it in the fact that he can say fuckface apparently. He loves being able to say fuckface. My God. Naito, he's cutting some of the coolest promos ever. He's just like, Man, I don't I don't know what his problem is. You yep. know, like look at him, he's wearing makeup, man. <laughs> Who does that? You know, but um for me, I, I think Naito's gotta win this one. Um, even though the surprise factor is an element here with Jericho. because um, you never really know what Y two J is gonna do. Uh, we look ahead to the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Really excited for this one. Takahashi going up against Osprey. Now, Hiromu, fresh off of uh, the Super Juniors and and what many would consider a few instant classics. Oh, yeah. Um, His match with Ishimura in the main? Jesus Christ. Meltzer went 5.5 on that. Yeah, he said it was top 10 match he's ever seen in his entire life. That's saying something. Um, Man. Hiromu has been one of the he's been in a weird position I feel like with New Japan because I think a lot of New Japan diehards if you uh put a gun to their head and you said you know right now if you had to start a company who would you build it around mm-hmm. you'd think most people would say Okada or Omega but if you go out there and you do some reading and you and you listen to some interviews and podcasts a lot of people really like Hiromu and to me, I wonder if if the the hype around Osprey has died down enough where you make a title change here, which is crazy because Osprey is really hot right now. He yeah. is super fucking hot, man. Like he is having an all time great year. He really is. Like in ring, like if you see reviews for his matches, almost everything universally is like four star plus. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. And the thing with Osprey that I really like, mm-hmm. too, is that when he was going through his whole big run with Ricochet, a lot of people were shitting on it and saying, you know, that's it's it's more that that's more of like a, a you know, choreographed fucking dancing or whatever. 
Um, if you watch any of Osprey's matches lately, I mean, the dude is killer at selling story. He's he's gotten he, he's I, I consider him to be very very good at storytelling yes. and keeping things. You know, yeah, he'll have his superhero flashy moments, but at the same time, to me, you know, in a world where I guess I don't see much sense out of anything in pro wrestling anymore. I think a lot of what Osprey does does make sense. So um, I, I think the argument against Osprey and saying that he's not a wrestler, he's more of like a you know a fucking dancer or whatever the hell people say, doesn't hold a lot of clout. And if you do say that, you haven't been watching any of his matches lately. No shit. Because uh, here's the crazy thing, right? With Osprey, like as you alluded to, his selling is top notch. Yeah. Like, he basically wrestled WrestleMania weekend, selling that neck injury that yeah. he had. That's fucking amazing stuff. And, like, the, the amount of fire he has and his comebacks and all that shit. And, like, honestly, if anyone at this point in time has a problem with a superhuman comeback in pro wrestling, just get off your fucking ass and just stop watching it. For fuck's sakes. Like, that's that's a comeback. That's That's been there since almost day fucking one. That's just the nature of the fucking beast, you know? Um, I think this matchup, anytime these two guys get together, they tear it down. Hiromu's got probably the most kamikaze style I've ever seen in a light heavyweight. This guy just absolutely does not give a flying fuck about his body. And it really kind of shows because the guy brings it every time. I mean, you look at a guy like Osprey who, dude, he's 24 years old. 25. 25. He is probably the most confident in-ring 25-year-old I've ever seen. Isn't it pretty cool? Osprey's, it is absolutely not. Osprey's 25. Takahashi, I just looked up, is 28. Oof. They got two super young dudes who I would argue, honestly, I'm not I'm not joking. Yep. We have Okada Omega in a two out of three falls match. We have Naito Jericho. Um, I, I would not be surprised or shocked if we, after Dominion, go, you know that Osprey-Takahashi match is one we're going to be talking about for years to come. And oh, that's, that and that's what's really be. cool about it. Um, Tanahashi Liger and uh, the... I don't know, debuting. Rey Mysterio Jr. going to be taking on the Bullet Club, uh, which uh, is going to be Cody, Hangman Page, and Marty Skrull. Um, I don't know, man. I, this, this, is, this, this to me is kind of a, is gimmicky, right? Um, you put up the, the big bad Cody and Hangman Page and Marty. Well, Marty's actually somewhat over, but uh, up against, you know, the, the, the two masked uh, loved heroes in Mysterio and Liger, and Tanahashi's there, too, to play some air guitar, uh, air guitar with them. Air guitar. Air guitar. Uh. Air guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. He's out there. <laughs> Air guitar yeah, yeah, yeah. with him. And, uh, you know, I think this will be – I think it will be a lot of fun, and I think uh, – and, and that's all I really got to say about it. Yeah, this honest. one should be fun. It's going to be interesting to see what Mysterio has up his sleeve. Um, actually, one of the most underrated WrestleMania matches was actually Mysterio against Cody Rhodes that year. Yeah. Um, I really love that match, so it's going to be kind of cool to see yeah, those two guys get back right. together. Um, Mysterio's got a little thing with Marty as well. That's going to be kind of cool. Um, you could really do a lot of really fun stuff in this one. Um, maybe start a uh, Tanahashi Cody program somewhere down the little road. That's going to be pretty in- interesting. Um, another one that's actually really interesting is the IWGP tag team titles are on the yeah. line. As the Young Bucks are actually challenging so Sonata and Evil. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for this. You know, when was that? Was that about... Was that at, at Wrestle Kingdom where we were, were talking about the Young Bucks and where do they go next? And yeah. eventually, you know, obviously... They went the, heavyweight. Yeah. They went heavyweight, which a lot of people are real excited for because it presents to you matchups like this where mm-hmm. you have Sonata and Evil. And it's a championship situation, too, which which raises the stakes a little bit. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be that surprised if we see the Young Bucks come away with this one because, as we know, the Young Bucks, uh, it's very rare that they're not champions in Japan. So, yeah. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they if they get the belts here. But I, get, I think this will be a really awesome tag match, especially because Sonata and Evil, um, I'm big fans of both of those guys. Yeah, true. And, like, this, this is going to be one of those matchups where you look at both teams and you're going to be like, okay, the losing team in this one definitely is going to be involved in the G1. Yep. You know, so do you actually pull the gun and actually have – the Bucks work that whole tour in singles matches, or do you actually have Sonata and Evil do that whole tour in singles? And matches? that's and that's a difficult situation mm-hmm. to have because, as we know, in and in, in my opinion, Evil had a really good G one oh, yeah, last really year. Oh yeah, really good. Um, so do you keep capitalizing on that? And and to me, with Evil and Sonata, you have two probably a little bit more credible opponents in that tourney with with without um uh, Nick and Matt Jackson. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe this is an opportunity where they can take the belts off them and set them up for that run. Um not sure if you want to talk about, about these Jesse, but we do have a couple of other matches that are advertised including uh Suzuki Gun which will include El Desperado and uh Kamaru taking on Rapungi 3K for the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Hmm. Uh we also have Taguchi Japan which uh, includes Juice Robinson and Finley taking on Chaos of Jay White and Yoshihashi. Uh, another tag team matchup, Chaos, uh, Ishii, and Yano will be going up against another Suzuki-Gun tag team of Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. And then one match that I'm pretty excited for. We've got a uh, three-way for the Never Open Way Championship, Goto, Elgin, and uh, Taichi. So. <laughs> that one should be really kind of fun. Yeah, I think... You I know, think... like, you look at this one and you're like... Goto, Elgin, okay, and then you throw in Taichi. Taichi. You know, um, <laughs> Taichi, you know, he's been having like a sneaky little little fun year for him. Yeah. Like he's doing a lot of really good character work there. Um, really, really getting annoying, moving up the card from a light heavyweight to you know like a heavyweight. That's gonna be a lot of fun there. Um, <laughs> that one should be kind of that. That's gonna be interesting to see where they're that they kind of go with that one. Um, um, if you want to actually watch Dominion, you can actually subscribe to New Japan World. It's actually pretty easy. It's cheaper than the WWE Network. It is. Um, you get access to their library plus all their shows live. Um, if you're kind of worried about the language barrier, almost every major show now has English commentary on it. Yeah, including which is the, pretty cool. Including now the Lionsgate shows. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So definitely check that out and uh – and uh, I think we're going to take a break. We'll take our first break after talking Dominion. We will talk about some stuff going on with CM Punk. Um, I think we're going to briefly touch on Money in the Bank because it's a couple of weeks away, and sometimes I'm never sure if we're going to record. So Yeah, we'll I ta- think Money in the Bank's next weekend, isn't it? It's not this Sunday, but the following. So we'll touch yeah, on yeah. that a little bit, and uh, we'll also give our thoughts on the NBA Finals to end the show. You're listening to Grapple Talk. Don't go anywhere, you fuck faces. Hey, everybody. This is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming. Check us out. Welcome back to Grapple Talk. A little untraditional, but we're trying to keep things kind of moving here. Talking Dominion to start the podcast, and now we are going into some WWE talk as well as national talk. Um, Oh, my God. 
I completely forgot about this, Jesse. Oh, you did? And I wanted to talk about this in the opener now because, you know, half of our audience isn't <laughs> listening anymore. I got blocked by Chaz Moretti. You got blocked by Chaz Moretti? I sent you the picture. You did. He blocked me on Twitter. Why? I don't know. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. Does he listen to the podcast? I don't know if he does. He does, Fucking man. prick. Who cares? What did I do? I just think it's funny. I'm, yeah, I have yeah, never been yeah. blocked on never Twitter. Never been before. blocked by anyone on Twitter. I don't, and I don't say anything offensive on Twitter. Oh, you know what I think I might have done? What's that? I think I think he might have said something about Vic Ross once, and then I replied and did the fire emojis because oh. I thought it was funny. And maybe he 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 could feel the sarcasm coming off of my tweet. I don't know. Or maybe he was maybe he was listening because he was so involved in the uh, Grapple Talk Network at that at the that that time when the the Ross Family Matters podcast came out. But yeah, hey everybody that's listening, the five of you that do listen, I got blocked by Chaz Moretti, so fuck him. Well, you know that's always kind of interesting, Nick. Maybe you get blocked by someone else after this week as well. Maybe I'm not going to get booked uh, wherever he's booked. Oh my gosh, my life sucks. What am I going to do with it? I don't think your life sucks. Yeah, all right, cool. So looking at Money in the Bank, all right, so we kind of want to talk about the Money in the Bank matches, but, like, we almost kind of have to talk about probably, I, I would say, it's clearly the biggest singles match in the early career of Ronda Rousey. She's taking yeah. on Nia Jax, yeah. and the the Raw Women's Championship is on the line, Nick. Um, is it too soon to put Rousey in this situation, or is it the right time for WWE to capitalize on the fact that she is hot and you put her in the spot? I think right now you have the opportunity to uh, um, do this singles competition between these two. I, I do think it's kind of weird, um, and this is where I do think that we're going to see some interference from Mickie James or from somebody. I don't even honestly know what the storyline is on uh, <laughs> Raw right yeah, now, to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. I do know that Nia Jax was like, well, I want a challenger. And then Ronda Rousey was like, well, I don't want handouts, but I guess if you're challenging me, let's do it, honey, or whatever the hell they did. Um, it's kind of weird. I really hope it's not just a match, and I could be wrong, but I would not think that the first person, the first female women's wrestler that Ronda Rousey has a singles match with should be Nia Jax. Um, I think we like Nia Jax. She seems like a very nice person. Um, she has a good look. She does have some nice moves, but she has also shown to be somewhat unsafe and maybe still a little green when it comes to being in the ring. And to me, if you just stack that up against Ronda Rousey having her first singles match and and, and and Nia maybe not necessarily being a veteran at this point, able to call things on the fly, I don't know her, so I don't know if that's something she, she can do or not. But that seems like a recipe for disaster. So my thoughts are is that we're going to see Ronda Rousey walking to the ring and she'll get jumped or something, which will then get mega heat for the um, women's wrestler that does do that. So... That's what I expect to see out of it because, again, I just cannot see them actually letting these two ladies wrestle for, for a couple of minutes. And, but who knows? Maybe they'll take the Goldberg approach, the Ronda Rousey approach, so mm-hmm. to speak, and she could get a W in 13 seconds. But then what do you what do you do moving forward? You know what you I know, mean? That's always a good question. But the cool thing, though, about Money in the Bank, though, is the fact that you do have a women's Money in the Bank match. That's true. Now, depending on where both these matches are on the card, you can always use the women's Money in the Bank match to set up the angle for later you that speak, night. You speak the truth. Because when you look at this Money in the Bank match, you have Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and Sasha Banks in this one. I think there is a clear winner here. Uh-huh. And I think it's Sasha Banks. You're, you're picking Banks. I, I think I think that makes the, the most sense. I think it makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um 
Ember Moon just to me doesn't seem it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense at this point. Charlotte Flair doesn't need it. Alexa Bliss has just been around that title pitcher too long, and if you give her the money in the bank, it's just kind of like ugh. Um, Becky Lynch would be kind of interesting, actually. Um, but for some reason or another, I can't see WWE giving it to her. Natalia just uh, overdue, you know, just it, past her prime. She's just she's not there anymore. Lana's not ready for it. Uh, hopefully, she gets like power bombed through a ladder. It'd be hilarious <laughs> to see. Naomi. Wow. Wow, really? I don't think Naomi needs... I think Sasha Banks makes the most sense, and I think especially if she's going to weirdly do this... I don't even know... What are they doing with her anymore? Why isn't Bailey in this match? Well, that's a good question. You know, um, I really I don't, don't know, know what's happening on WWE anymore. We're sitting here talking about WWE, and I don't even know what they're doing with this stuff anymore. Well, I think with the Bailey Banks thing, they're kind of having like a... Uh, they're oh. having a friendly rivalry. Kind of thing, you know. So like, they're not why at, they're not at each other's throats. Why is that, dude? Because that's what women do, right? Go listen, I don't to, know. go listen to our podcast a year ago. Yeah, we were talking about how Sasha Banks is maybe or maybe not going to be a heel, and we're still having the same conversation. What is WWE doing? You know, that's a good a question. A year later, that's it's a like, good question, dude. It's like yep. it's like an email. It's like, hey man, um, hey uh, Vince, should we are we turning Sasha heel or not? And then he's like. Uh yeah, let me uh let me get back to you on that. And then he just forgot about it. So yeah, now the I don't think Vince McMahon like, sitting there uh, like his computer. He's like, oh, let me get back to you. You know, I don't I don't think that's how it kind of goes like that one. You know, maybe Banks is a good option here because you know it would almost seem like something the boss would do, kind of ruin that spotlight and that matchup. Like that's that's a pretty interesting one right there as well. Um, Who do you of, got? You know, you almost kind of basically. Convince me that uh, Sasha Banks could do it. I also could see Natalia getting it. Now, oh, shut the, the hell up. This is the reason why, okay? Hear me out on this No. One. Hear me out. You're not going to be able to convince me that's a good idea. Think about this. If I was Natalia, how, how would I become relevant? How would you, if you were any of these women, how would you become relevant? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's Natalia here. How about if Natalia actually costs Ronda Rousey the championship by actually cashing in on... Nia Jax. Wasn't, They're was, supposed to be friends. Well, yeah, because I was going to yeah. say, uh, that's one of the things I think I vaguely remember. Aren't they like friend, like yeah, they're kayfabe friendly. friends or yeah, something? They're friendly and kayfabe. Okay. Yeah, I guess that would maybe I mean, make that'd sense. be interesting. I mean, you look at it here, you know, like a gal like Ember Moon, she doesn't really need it. No, she doesn't. Uh, Charlotte Flair, she'll doesn't, get back there. Yeah. Um, Alexa Bliss, she's sneaky. It always works in her favor. And, you know, I'll tell you the truth, it probably wouldn't look that bad if she was carrying around the briefcase. It wouldn't look bad, but I think, I think... I think everybody is ready for just a little bit of a break from Alexa Bliss because yeah. she was just she was the Raw Women's Champion for like the longest time. Yes. It felt like Becky Lynch. If she wins it, she's going to probably turn that briefcase into some type of steampunk thing. That might actually be kind of funny. If she wins it, I wouldn't be surprised if on SmackDown two nights later she lost it in like a singles match. Yeah, because that's know. just kind of what WWE it, it, is booking it, it is for. Ends up her. being like one of those old doctor bags instead. Yeah. She's oh, like, that'd be kind of cool. Oh, hey, look, I got an old doctor oh, bag. Oh, you got an old doctor bag, man. You know, Lana, you know, Lana doesn't need it. Did you see that fucking video of her getting her wig kicked off from Asuka? <laughs> that was no. amazing. That was amazing. We're shooting that one. <laughs> Naomi, like, you can do some cool shit where, like, you make the briefcase kind of glow and stuff like that. That'd be neat. Um, but it's going to be kind of interesting because, like, last year's Women in Money in the Bank match was actually a lot of fun. It was kind of marred by the whole James Ellsworth thing, and they had to redo it again on fucking SmackDown. But that's besides the point. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like I don't think we were that upset about it. I I don't I don't think I cared. I don't remember. I'd have to go back because I, I don't think I, don't I gave a, a shit. I don't think I gave a shit either. But yeah. But no, this one should be kind of fun. Um, 
I, w- I tell you the truth, I might start the show with this match. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. Otherwise, you know, I, I, this we could see this again. I, you could start the um, with, with the men's match, and then you could end with the women's match. You know, if we're trying to be, if we're trying to, you know, play ball here. Um, but when you look at the men's match, I mean, there's just so much potential for this one to be killer. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe. Man, I'm reading this right now, and I'm actually not the most excited for it, to be honest. I'm not really excited to see Bobby Roode in a ladders match. I'm not really excited to see Braun Strowman in a ladders match. But we will get one of the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, mm-hmm. Xavier Woods. I love the idea of a New Day member winning it. I fucking love that idea. I think I think it'd be really cool to see Big E win the Money in the Bank. It would be. He's turning in some of the best character work on like SmackDown right now. And there's and there's something we talked about this before when we when we had mentioned that maybe one of the New Day guys could go single. Uh-huh. And there's something to me that this doesn't need to be like a New Day breakup. Biggie doesn't need to go turn heel. I just think it'd be a lot of fun that these guys would be like we have we have the money in the bank brief we have the money in the bank briefcase even if mm-hmm. one of them wins it and I, I think it'd be a fun storyline and, and something fun to write for you know what I mean yeah. and plus we look at this all the time right and we always mm-hmm. talk about in my opinion the money in the bank briefcase isn't like the rumble to me the winner of the rumble should be somewhat established yep. um, and should make a lot of sense wrestling at at the biggest show of the year against. Who, who should be either the biggest like heel or the biggest guy. face. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to Money in the Bank, I think it's completely different. I think mm-hmm. they should be giving the the briefcase to somebody that is either um, been buried a little bit on the card or seemingly doesn't have really any sort of good way or, or to... Or someone who doesn't get title opportunities. Yeah. Or they, they look they, at a guy like Braun Strowman. This guy can get a, he, he can get a title opportunity anytime he wants. Exactly. You or know, you, look at, you look at like Finn Balor. I mean, this dude... He never even got his rematch. You know, he'd be like, oh, this guy can get my rematch this way. <laughs> you know, like. Why? You look at the Miz, like. The Miz does, for everyone. Yeah, Miz doesn't need it. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, at all. I, I don't want to see the stereotypical Miz money in the briefcase run because I've seen it a thousand times, I feel like, even though I've only Rusev. seen it once. That's interesting. That's an interesting one. Now, if you wanted to make the Smarks happy, yep. do that. If you want to piss everybody off. You let Bobby Roode win it. <laughs> oh my God! I yeah, will be. Already. I will. I will not. I've already deleted. I've already you unsubscribed. Already del- yeah. But if you know what, if Bobby Roode wins this, we will never talk about WWE on this fucking podcast again. All right, let's shake on it. I will unsubscribe from WWE wow. on this fucking podcast if he wins. You already did. From the network. Yeah, from the network. But uh, gonna, I will unsubscribe from the WWE will not be uh, mentioned right. on this podcast ever again. It is on Digital Wax. If Bobby Roode wins, we will no longer talk about WWE on the podcast. So we'll be losing anywhere between three and five listeners. Now, how do you feel about that? Can you validate how much I would dislike Bobby Roode winning that? Because I don't even watch WWE. And I can tell you right now that Bobby Roode would oh my god he would put fucking glorious on the briefcase uh, here i come with my briefcase it's like dude i do not want to see that title run for the fucking please don't win please just don't i think he's just there basically to be a body okay, okay look good. at a guy like kevin owens does kevin owens really need this i don't think he does but i do i think it'd be interesting because mm-hmm. now we have to also then look at the roster right i yeah, mean he yeah. could hold it past when Lesnar eventually probably loses it at WrestleMania or whatever, maybe SummerSlam, because I think I think Roman Reigns and Lesnar are going head to head at SummerSlam again. Ugh. Um, 
Well, that'd be fun. But you have to look yep. at who who they would eventually cash in on. I honestly, I kind of like the idea of of a Kevin Owens or Samoa Joe. Now, in saying that, I really I really miss the the badass um, nature that Kevin Owens had when he first came on. That he didn't necessarily yeah. need to cheat to win. It's just like his demeanor and just his prick attitude is what made you dislike him. Kind of like how Samoa Joe does it. Mm-hmm. He's just a prick. And and Wallace Smarks are like, wow, we really like Samoa Joe. A lot like you know the 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 maybe casual fans are like, God, he's a fucking prick. I hate him. Then that's why I kind of don't necessarily see Owens or Samoa Joe needing it because personally, they're the type of heels that I think are better off winning a title by just being really good at what they do, opposed to being like, like I need sneaky. to I need to be sneaky, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why I go back to I go back to the new day. I don't think it's necessarily a sneaky factor. I just think it'd be fun. Yeah. I think I think it'd be a really a really cool way to write them without them having to be involved in, in the tag team title picture. And plus I really I I, I I don't necessarily know if a lot of people think this way, but I think all three of those guys have shown sparks of of how they could li- they could potentially be main event talent. Kofi Kingston might be past his prime, but a lot of people at one point argued that he could be in the WWE title picture. That is true. I think Big E has a huge future, and I think huge he has, upside. I think he could. I think he could win the title tomorrow, and it could be something fun. Xavier Woods, while I'm not sure that he could keep up in the ring, and I don't know if he has the name value to do it. I mean, God, he has his video game channel on YouTube. Uh-huh. He has a ton of followers that way. And out of those three, I think I would probably argue that Xavier Woods is the best talker. So um, I think there's a lot of I potential. I would say he's the, the most diverse talker. The most diverse talker, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that I think that'd be the most fun. What do you, what do you kind of think? You know, the Rusev thing. You know, yeah. it, it actually could be really a lot of fun. Cause think about it. Everyone be like, when's he going to cash it in? On Rusev Day. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. he can do that, you know? It would be a fun story for that type of character as well. And it gives him something to do besides just being kind of like a lower-end babyface heel mid-carder. Um, and he's been the yeah. guy He's been the guy that has shown that he can do it in the ring. Yep. He's gotten the fans behind him organically. Yes. Um, and sometimes that just seems like the perfect mix for a Money in the Bank yeah, because like that place will go fucking yes. nuts the yes. second he comes out with that briefcase. Does the mash guy? Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, I can yeah. imagine now oh, that would be pretty cool. Actually, like it would actually be pretty cool. Um, SmackDown Women's Championship, Carmella's taking on Asuka. Ugh. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll skip that one. Yo, you want to talk about the whole card? Let's talk about Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal. What the fuck is that all about? Hey, man, that's just a. You know, God, we we, we how can it. we how can we get Roman Reigns, Reigns over? over? Let's put him with Jinder Mahal. Worst part, Jinder Mahal is actually getting cheered when he's being. Oh Roman my Reigns. God, this um, is nothing's working. This this is going to be interesting because remember, this whole card's actually in Chicago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is very true. Chicago's going to have man. They're going to be busy this weekend. So this weekend's UFC. Um, in Chicago, I believe. Yeah. And then, of course, you have WWE the following weekend, plus uh, NXT TakeOver. You know, maybe, should we talk TakeOver, too? Uh, we can. I haven't been following TakeOver. I know you have been, though, so you kind of know a thing or two about what's going on there. Um, but or should I d- we just talk about WWE and how much we hate it? Well, I don't want to talk about WWE anymore. I was going to try to segue <laughs> out of that conversation because I just All didn't right. see anything else on that card that I really care to talk about. And, then, but, of course, um, you know, you got the last man standing with Nakamura and AJ Styles. That oh, could be fun. fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting. They've been trying to bring as much fire as possible. Just for some apparent reason, there's some type of disconnect, I think, with just how both guys are being booked in this one. Because you, you expect them to have a knockdown, drag-out fight. 
but it's just kind of been kind of like you know kind of silly at times it's been it's been interesting it's been a little heated um a lot of people were almost wondering maybe we should heat it up before wrestlemania and actually have these guys not really go into the match like with mutual respect but a little bit of a you know, like bragging rights on a line or something like that. I but, haven't uh, been watching NXT. I've seen some of the things between Ricochet and uh, and the Dream. Uh-huh. How, how, how caught up are you on NXT? I am basically about, like, three weeks out. Okay. Well, we well what what sticks out to me is that we have a championship match between Aleister Black and Lars Sullivan. Y- yeah, you know, that one that one's kind of interesting. Um, the only reason why I'm saying it's interesting because... Black as champion right now um, is taking a backseat to basically the biggest feud going on in NXT. Gargano and Champa, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they had to kind of find something there for the Black to do. And maybe putting Black in with a monster like a Sullivan. Sullivan, he's a, he's a credible threat. I don't think he's going to win the match. Yeah. But um, I think their clash of styles actually be pretty interesting. And you can actually see some pretty good shit in that. Yeah. That's all I got, man. Okay, well... <laughs> Well, here's another one. Okay, what about Shayna Baszler taking on Nikki Cross? Now, this was actually going to be pretty interesting because, you know, a Blazer who's basically, she's got that threat, that menace, that presence, and then you have that wild card that is Nikki Cross. Um, we, we saw Cross and Asuka in sim- similar situations, and those two tore down the house. What do you expect in a matchup like this? Uh, I, I honestly just really expect them to bring it is that too generic for you um you know nikki cross i think she's kind of sorting sort of kind of getting to the end of her time in nxt yeah i think when sanity was brought up a lot of people were confused why she wasn't brought up with them and honestly i think it's because she can be a standalone act and uh, this was the time where they could break her off from sanity and let her be her own character um when she does eventually get brought up to wwe I think it's gonna be a hard-hitting contest, and and I, and I do. Th- I think Shayna Baszler continues to get better every time she's in the mm-hmm. ring, and I think this will be a definitely an interesting matchup uh, to say the least, because Nikki Cross is very, very different than than Ember Moon or anybody else that Baszler has faced off against, and I I, I think when you have those kind of unique matchups, as you kind of mentioned with Black and Sullivan, that's that's what. Honestly, part part of what this card is uh, to me, aside from the Champa Gargano matchup, is it's a lot of styles that I'm excited to see clash. Like Ricochet Velveteen Dream, I'm really excited to oh, see yeah. how those how those how they clash. Um, so so yeah, I think that's one of the best parts about it, and uh, and hopefully I, I think it's one of those takeovers that looks a little deceiving um, from the outside. You know, just I mean, with the championship match with with. Um, the tag team championship match. I know a lot of people are excited for Ricochet Velveteen Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are excited for Gargano Ciampa. But I, continually, it seems like every time after Takeover's over, we're always like, "Dude, one of the best shows we've seen this year." So yeah, that's, you probably expect a lot of the same. Ex- exactly. This one's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, make sure you get a chance to watch it. It'll be next Saturday, which will be the uh, I believe that's the sixteenth, right? Yes. Yeah. So it'll be Saturday the sixteenth. Of course, uh, Money in the Bank will be on Father's Day the seventeenth. So think about this. If you really don't like your dad, make him watch Money in the Bank. If you really like your dad, make him watch NXT TakeOver. So one big thing happening in Chicago this weekend, and we're just going to keep on rolling here. Mm-hmm. Uh, CM Punk is going to be in the octagon for the second time up against Mike Jackson. Now, uh, Punk is 0-1 and uh, obviously having his first loss, uh, what was that, the end of last year, middle of last year? God, was, was that the middle- two years ago? Man, I think it was two years Jesus ago because you Christ. and me went down to Brothers and actually watched that fight. Yeah, that and, was a uh, long time ago. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, to be nice about it, 
got his ass totally whipped. Yeah. Um, and now he's going to be in Chicago up against this Mike Jackson dude who I don't know a ton about. Um, maybe some other UFC people do know. He's 2-5 and five in his career. He has uh, no knockouts, uh, but he has two submissions, which to me is probably something Punk should be more worried about, I would think, than getting knocked out is the submissions because, mm-hmm. you know, does he know his way to, to work out of – out of out of holds and and the ground and things like that. So um, I think a lot of people when was it Mickey Gall was that his name yeah. when he first fought him I think a lot of people were like well Punk's gonna get swept and I don't necessarily know when it comes with Mike Jackson what his reputation is. Um, so who knows maybe this is more of a guy up Punk's alley. Um, looks like you know here's a nice little ESPN write up on him. He is a boxer, kickboxer, mixed martial artist. Uh, who also, on his free time, works in photography and media content. Oh. Um, uh, he's 33 years old, so he's not super you know, young. So this might be a little bit more of an even matchup, and I think it presents a really interesting case. And, uh, and, and that's what's so cool about this, right? You know, you have, you have CM Punk, Mike Jackson, two guys that don't have a lot of fighting experience, um, at least on the end of Punk. Mike Jackson, not a lot of fighting experience in the UFC, um, who are, are, are going to help basically sell out probably this UFC 225 pay-per-view. I think it's just funny to think about, right? You have two guys who aren't this, the most skilled that are just going to rake in dollars. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's like it's very smart on UFC to actually book Punk in Chicago for this weekend. Um, that's going to be huge there. Um, I think it's going to definitely move the needle a little bit with pay-per-view buys, especially after everything with the court case this week. Yeah. With, like, Punk and Cabana actually, you know, winning that court case. Kudos to those guys. Yeah, so what you're talking about, Jesse, uh, mm-hmm. there was a civil lawsuit uh, who that was filed by WWE physician that was Chris Amon. Amon. Um, Amon. He wanted $4 million uh, in what he considered to be negative, you know, um, Basically in damages to his reputation reputation from Punk when Punk was on Cabana's podcast back Mm -hmm. in 2014 talking about, you know, um, the The staff uh, infection infection and not being treated properly. And uh, recently the judge actually uh, basically said that that Punk and Cabana have have had this one and that they're not going to be, you know, suffering any, um, you know, ramifications because of this podcast, which... Is probably good for him because otherwise he would have been he would have had to win. Yeah, basically <laughs> to pay off some of that stuff. And yeah, Cabana yeah. would have been Joe Rogan screwed, would have but... came into the the octagon and be like, "Punk, good victory here tonight." <laughs> um, what was going through your mind? Well, Joe, you know, I just got done with this uh, defamation uh, lawsuit. You know, I had to pay back about two million dollars of my own money. Um, luckily, I got a victory here tonight. Yeah. All right, that's CM Punk who's just fighting for money. Let's go back up to the booth, guys. You know. Now, I do think this fight will be interesting because um, I saw an interview that Punk had with uh, one of those very notorious UFC reporters, MMA reporters. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Punk visibly looked like he had lost a ton of weight. And in this ESPN article, mm-hmm. they actually highlight that Punk almost didn't make weight wow. because he lost so much in what they considered to be uh, due to the trial, which I find really interesting. I mean, he just looked, he just did not honestly look super healthy during this interview that I recently watched because he looked like he had lost so much weight. Uh, it said that he had to flood his body, his body with fluids in order to make weight beforehand. But, uh, nonetheless, it should still be really exciting. I think for a lot of wrestling fans to kind of see what, how punk has kind of progressed. I do want to say this, Jesse, in this interview Mm -hmm. that he had had, he said, if you would have asked me if I would ever wrestle again um, before the, the verdict, I would, have, I would have said, hell no. I'm done with wrestling. Mm-hmm. 
and then he, and then he, but then he said, you know, now that I'm done with it, now, you know, after we can move past uh, this next UFC contest, he's like, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you right now, no. But he's like, I don't ever want to say never. Yeah. He said that there's been a number of times that other uh, companies, organizations, what have you, have came to Punk and said, hey, what would you think about working for us? But he said nobody's ever came to him and said, what do you think about working on this date for this pay and you're working this guy? Nobody's ever come to him and actually asked him to work. I saw that same interview as well, Nick, and I I, I totally agree. It was, it was kind of interesting. It was an eye-opening interview because Punk, he did look tired. He definitely looked a little ragged. Um, what are they fighting at, like, weight-wise? Are they fighting at, question. like, 150, or I'm what, not exact, what are they doing? I'm not exactly sure what they're fighting at, to be honest. So, you know, depending on how much weight he's got to lose, I mean, that's that's got to be a ton of weight. Um, and it's always tough to cut weight before weigh-ins. That's just the way it is. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Because um, one of the questions the guy brought up in that interview, too, was basically all in in Chicago. Yep. Wondering if he actually got contacted about that. And there was a little hint there that he – it almost felt like he wasn't contacted, but at the same time, it almost felt like a wor- working hint. Like, hey, you know, like, I kind of got to play this one off. You know, like, I got to worry about this, and then maybe I can worry about whatever next. Because if you're, if you're punk, all right, why talk about an upcoming wrestling match when people already in the fucking mixed martial arts game don't like you? Yeah. So kind of... Hold that one close to your vest. I, I I think it's interesting, and I think if you guys can, just go try to find a recent interview with CM Punk um, where he discusses the lawsuit a little bit and then also kind of discusses the return to wrestling. It's definitely different. Something feels different because, and I hate to speculate, but when you watch other interviews with Punk and talking about wrestling, he wants nothing to do with Not it. He doesn't thing. want to talk about it. And in this interview, he opens up a little bit, and he, and he talks and he blatantly says, you know, um... There's been places that have contacted me. I don't want to say never, um, but, you know, it it have to be the right time, the right place, and I just need to get past this Saturday and and get past this fight. So, you know, guys, I don't know. With how Punk looked during the interview, I'm not sure I'd want to see him in a wrestling ring. Um, But at the same time, you know, again, this dude had the biggest love for the squared circle. Yeah. And uh, I I think with, with how everything went down with WWE, I think with this lawsuit, it just really turned him off from it. But now that he can move past that, I, I do think there's potential that we could see this guy. Is it going to be in a WWE ring? Probably not. I, I don't think so unless nope. they call and promise a main event at WrestleMania, <laughs> and it has to be in like three years. Uh, yeah, but how old little, is he going to exactly. be in three years? And it might yeah. just be past too too far past. But mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him working with some of those larger independents for you know one off contests where he can kind of just be like, you know what, I'm going to do the I'm going to do the part that I I enjoyed most about wrestling and that's and that's being in the ring. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll we'll see how everything f- plays out for him at uh UFC this weekend. You know, if he gets a win, you know, he's definitely he's going to have a future in the UFC. If he doesn't get a win, he's you almost got to think of like he's got other options. Yeah. And a lot of it's like he does have a lot of options out there on the table. Um it's going to be interesting, you know, because, like, one of the things that actually kind of spurred the podcast and, like, spurred us talking about wrestling was, of course, that Summer of Punk. Yeah. I mean, wins the belt. Yeah. Leaves, you know, like, so, you know, the the whole up and down saga of Punk in the WWE has been documented on this fucking podcast, and it's been documented in a lot of people's podcasts. Like, it's weird to think about. It is just kind of weird because it was one of the things that really, really, if you think about it, it was one of the catalysts six years ago of that upward swing 
that pro wrestling's really kind of had was CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, a big component now uh honestly that that makes this a lot different than what it was even when he originally had left WWE uh-huh. a couple of years ago is that he can make some big bucks doing some of those indie shows. Yes. Um, I'm sure there'd be a, a few that'd be willing to pay him those top dollar numbers in order to get him for one night or get him for a couple of nights. And he can make a sustainable living doing that, not necessarily working every month or every week like we see the you know Cody and all the Bull Club members and all these other guys doing. But he can make a you know a nice uh, little bonus amount of money mm-hmm. to help set up him and you know his his uh, his family here coming up shortly. Um, so yeah, it might, it just might be something he'll be thinking about after UFC. Cause you know, honestly, similar to what we'll talk about, uh, with LeBron James, if he goes out there and gets his ass totally beat, he's going to have to think of another way to make some money because it's not going to be through fighting anymore. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Well, you know, that's a good segue, Nick. We'll probably take another break here. And, uh, when we return, we'll kind of wrap things up, talk the finals and uh, places in history. Hey, it's Hot Shot Scott Williams. Do you like chili? Well, I do too. Do you like podcasts? Well, so do we. It's the Ross Family Matters podcast. Join myself, Vic the Stick Ross, Jack Spade, and, Prom a, to go! and a cavalcade of other people except Maru. You're never allowed. The Grapple Talk Network, it's the podcast. We're coming at you. Maru's not allowed! Welcome back to Grapple Talk. Uh, Jesse Von Ruden, myself, uh, so far throughout this podcast, we're skipping around, talked about New Japan's uh, Dominion show coming up on the 9th. We also went over uh, WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, a little bit on the uh, upcoming NXT TakeOver show, as well as the recent CM Punk verdict, and uh, our thoughts on his upcoming fight here this weekend for the UFC. Uh, to end this podcast, we've been kind of just uh, doing some some stuff here in the third segment, talking about whatever it is that we wanted to talk about. And uh, last night, Jesse, as of this podcast, uh, the Cavaliers going down 0-3 to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, pretty much, you know... it. No teams ever come back from three down. So no, um, especially not in, the, uh, not in the NBA finals. Yeah. So um, this is this is something of pretty much a foregone conclusion. Golden State about to win their uh, second straight title, their third in four years. Um, but you know, one thing that I thought was interesting though that we had talked about before we started recording is the fact that yes, Golden State's up three nothing, but. There's a lot of different circumstances in which we could be talking about this now and saying that Cleveland is up 2-1. to one. But, uh, you know, you as you had mentioned, the three games were about three different stars. Yeah. And, and Durant, man, as much shit as I give that guy, he played like one of the best players in, in NBA history last night and just being completely unstoppable. And it was almost like no matter what the Cavs did, they were definitely not going to win that it game. It was a player who... Who had the supporting cast around him? Where he, the the Cavs did their best, their damnedest to get guys like Steph out of their game. Steph had three fouls by the first half. Yeah, Draymond Green also had three in the first half. So they were going after the guys that always seemed to give them problems, but they forgot about Durant. And that's a lot of things too about the series too. It's like Durant somehow, some way, sunk to the shadows in both games one and two. And he in still game scored three, like thirty points a game. <laughs> exactly, which is weird, but like. You look at this game that he had, like, like honest to God, like the stat-wise, this is this is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it is. Forty-three points, thirteen rebounds, seven assists. But then you also look at um, his his efficiency: fifteen of twenty-three, six from nine from three-point land. Yeah, um, it was it was crazy. I felt like I he barely shot, he shot fucking sixty-six percent from beyond the arc. 
he and, and his dagger three was probably from 40 feet out from the basket. I mean, it was just absolutely bonkers. Um, and again, on a night where Steph Curry at one point was 0 for 9 from 3. Which um, doesn't happen it often. It never happens. And again, you know, LeBron felt a little bit off, um, but his teammates were picking him up. Kevin Love had had a pretty darn good game. Rodney Hood came out of nowhere after yeah. getting a, a bunch of DNPs, and he uh, stepped up and scored 15 points. But again, we talk about this. If Kevin Durant isn't superhuman in this game and can't miss, the Cavs actually, you could argue, could have won. Yeah. We look back at game they one. They lose by eight. They lose by eight. And, and, yeah. and it was close up until the last couple of minutes, mm-hmm. and then Durant hits a three, and that was pretty much it. Yep. But they were only down by three at that point, and they had missed a couple of shots. So, again, if, if the tables are turned mm-hmm. and the Cavs maybe make one of those threes, we could be talking about something completely different. It's, so you look at this, it's a six-point game, but if you actually watch the game, it was a lot closer than six points. Now you go back to game one. Mm-hmm. You can talk about J.R. Smith all you want, but if George Hill would have made that free throw, or if yeah, one but of here, the— Yeah, here's the crazy thing, though. All right, so, so sitting there watching that game, game one, Hill gets to the line. What's the first thought that's going through your head? If you look at Hill's face, you know that he's going to miss one of those free throws. Exactly, because he was going to miss that second one because why give Golden State a fucking exactly. chance at another bucket? No, yeah. Yeah, so that was the plan all along. That was the plan all mad along. Mad scientist plan. Yeah, but what sucked was the fact that, because, okay, if you would have made that shot, right? You basically... Four seconds. Uh, four seconds. Four seconds for the best fucking shooter in the planet with Curry to actually get a probably wide open look. Yeah, I mean, and, that, you know? and that's that's the that's the risk you run. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to say there's so many different circumstances in which they could have gotten the W there too. One of the fouls could have went in their favor. Maybe on that last free throw by George Hill when Draymond Green took a step in the lane, they call that and George Hill makes the next one. Maybe they don't reverse the charge block call, which even though it was a block, it's kind mm-hmm. of weird that you can go back and reverse fouls, which I don't think you can do in any other sport. Yeah, I don't think you can do that in the NFL. Um, we could be talking about a two-one series right now, mm-hmm. and I and I think, and that's what sucks, um, because I I'm not a Golden State hater by any means. I love dynasties. I think it's really cool because it's something special that we'll be able to look back on and go, holy shit, I was alive yeah. and I got to see all that happen. But then I look at like LeBron James, and I just feel bad for this guy. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's in my lifetime is is the best NBA player. I don't care what sexy. Cur- KC, Chris Hansen has to say on Twitter, <laughs> that dude has it all wrong. Yeah, LeBron yeah. whines sometimes, but you know what? If you think you're getting fouled, and go go play fucking adult league park, park and rec basketball, and there's fucking 50-year-old dudes that work at fucking Quick Trip that complain to the refs all the time. It's just part of human nature. You think you're getting wrong, you're going to complain it's just part of the it. game. It's just part of the game. Yeah. And when I look at LeBron James, and I'm like, man, all of the work this guy's putting into it, and now everybody's just like, well, he... Instantly, he's down three. Well, he, you know, he's not even. He's not the best. He's not the best. He's not. He's not as good as everybody Are says he is. Are you fucking kidding me? Game one has one of the greatest. I kid you not. Not just finals performances, but NBA history performances. Yeah. No one. No one in the right mind should be dropping fifty-one on the Golden State Warriors and not winning. And now here you look at this yeah. too. What really pisses me off, and I'm wondering if there's a possibility to get stats about how many absolutely wide-open looks the Cleveland Cavaliers had missed. I remember there was a number of times uh, during the last game where LeBron James would drive, and he would dish it out, and there wouldn't be a Golden State defender within 10 fucking feet of the guy shooting the ball. Clanks it off the rim. Now, Golden State comes back down, and I... (sighs) 
Maybe there's a couple of times that Clay Thompson would have a wide open shot, but it didn't happen often, and they're still cashing these threes. So you look at the supporting cast, right? LeBron James is doing everything he can to not only score, but to make sure that his teammates, who aren't as good as three-point shooters as Golden State's, mm-hmm. get wide. I'm talking wide. wide. I'm talking there practice was, was session wide open three-pointers. Game three, he was driving to the bucket and kicked it back out to Kevin Love. You know how open Kevin Love was for that three that he actually made? Open. And that's what I'm trying to say, right? So if, if you imagine that maybe, just maybe, these Cleveland Cavaliers could could make a three-pointer, could, could act like they're the athletes that are getting paid tens of millions of dollars every year, that we would have a totally different discussion here about what's going on in the NBA Finals. But quite po- honestly, and I'm not sitting here trying to, again, defend LeBron James and saying that he's better than Michael Jordan. That's not the conversation I want to have. But what I want to say is that, dude, just give the guy a fucking break. I don't think, you know, if, if MJ didn't have guys like, dude, how many fucking times did Michael Jordan lose in the playoffs before he started winning games? Well, when he got yeah. Scottie Pippen and he had fucking, you know, John Paxson knocking down trays. And he had guys like Horace Grant playing down in the post. And eventually Dennis, Dennis Rodman, Rodman, who people consider to be still to this day one of the best rebounders and inside and outside defenders in the history of the NBA. I'm just trying to say, dude, that when you look at and when you compare the two, it's impossible to do it because the Golden State Warriors at this point have three of the greatest shooters in the history of the NBA. And and Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala and quite honestly, JaVale McGee, who had a lot of potential and a lot of hype early on in his career, aren't slouches. They have a fucking mega team. They have a team full of a bunch of guys who are probably going to go in the Hall of Fame and quite possibly be considered the one of the best teams in the history of this league, and it's just, it sucks. It's kind of like when you look back on the career of Karl Malone. Yeah, he was a piece of shit person. He was an awful guy, and he was not as good as LeBron, but it was, it's the same thing where he just kept running into Michael Jordan's team. He just kept running oh, yeah, into yeah, the yeah, Chicago listen, Bulls. Listen, he only ran into the Chicago Bulls at one time in the finals. Twice. Twice in the finals. They played who twice g- in the finals. Who gives a shit? But it was only twice in the finals. Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same instance. It's like, you know, honestly... LeBron is better than Karl Malone, and, um, but well, he, yeah, but he's yeah. just he's just playing at a time where there isn't anybody. You know what? I would I would say now now this is a different argument to have, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say that if you had one of the earlier Chicago Bulls teams, um, maybe pre Dennis Rodman, I would argue that there that there is a that there's definitely a fifty fifty shot that we would see the Golden State Warriors still kick their asses. I really think that's true. I, I 100% think that's true, and I'm gonna get a lot of shit for it. But, but you know what? I, I I think we're I think we're underestimating just how good the Golden State Warriors are, and instead of because a lot of people are looking at LeBron James going, well, he's not he's not as good as he should be. He's not legendary get like the he should fuck be. Out. How many finals in a row has James been to? Nine. Nine. Eight. Sorry, he's you know been to eight. He's been to eight. nine total. Eight. How fucking crazy is that? That's fucking nuts. So so if you look at it right, basically. Nine out of the what the last eleven? Yeah, that's fucking nuts. That's crazy. And you look at and you and you look at LeBron James too. And a lot of people are pointing to the East not being as good as the West. And yeah, I think, but but I think if the Golden State Warriors, for example, but there's a, a reason team, why the West is as stacked as it is, there is because of Golden State. If Golden State wasn't there, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be considered to be as stacked. Because I would I would argue because why do you think a team like Houston went out and did what they did? Exactly. I think when you look at the West, mm-hmm. you look at Golden State and Houston as the top two teams, and then from there, honestly, 
I think you I think you have a pretty hard argument to make about any of those teams competing, even with the Boston Celtics in a seven games. Boston mm-hmm. played really good throughout the playoffs. Boston did. Milwaukee has a lot of potential, and they pushed Boston to a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Toronto, I don't know what happened Shit there. the bed. LeBron dad dicked them, okay? Yeah, he did. Um, but you look at those teams like the Thunder were just ass. They were terrible. You look at, like, the Pelicans. I don't know... The Pelicans were were decent, but again, here, here's I, a, I think it's hard to say that they about were the Pel- stacked. The Pelicans probably would have had a legit shot if a bogey cousin is bogey cousins, right? Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that you know a lot of people are sitting here like, "Whoa, the West is super stacked," and it's like, I think they're just really top heavy. I just yeah. think they have who many consider to be the two best teams in basketball in their conference. That's oh, the only okay. reason they why also, they're quote okay. unquote. And they stacked. also have a very good young team coming up with the Utah Jazz. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. But then you look at the East and you say. Okay, well, moving forward though, the 76ers are going to be really good. Yep. The Bucks are going to be really good. You'd hope that Toronto can figure out what they're Boston, doing with their new coach. Boston healthy next year. Boston is going to be fucking scary if Cleveland were to somehow still hold on to LeBron James. I mean, that's that's a bare minimum at least five. Indiana Pacers looked really yep. good. That's six teams right there that I would say could be in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, again, I don't think that the East is as weak as a lot of people think. I just think the Warriors and the Rockets are so good that people just consider, oh, the East is just a bunch of garbage yeah. teams. When that's, I don't think that's necessarily that's not the, the case. case. That's just so, not the case. So LeBron there's, James, a, there's a reason why the, the, the East, if, say it any way you want to say it, there's a reason why sometimes the 6, 7, 8 seed are all below 500. Yeah. It's because it, it's fucking tough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So well, that was a pretty good podcast this week. Yeah, that was a that yeah, was a lot yeah. of talking. We did we did a good we did a good job, I think. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Cleveland's actually going to win a game in the series, and if they do, that's great. I'm not going to be able to watch on Friday, so mm-hmm. I kind of hope they just lose by like 40, and then we can just be done with it. Yeah, I am really curious though. A lot of speculation about what LeBron's going to do next. Man, I just really wish he'd stay in Cleveland. You know, I I I think he will. I think, and I think that's the hot rumor right now. You know, and um. The only problem I foresee is that he just hates his owner. But you know what? At this point, but here's you know, the crazy what, thing: what, what's your better option to All beat right. the Warriors? You know what's going to happen within the next three years? LeBron James is going to buy that team. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Well, he can get a supermax for them. That's the yeah. difference. So he can make the most money in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, and boy, wouldn't that just be the coolest thing if he bought that team? The, but the yeah. thing is, you know, people talking about oh, he can go to Lakers, he can go to Houston, he can go to Philadelphia, Why? blah blah blah. But it's like, yeah, it's like, why? I mean, in in Philadelphia, he would be, he would have to basically be a shooter. I mean, he Ben Simmons would be the ball handler. Um, Embiid kind of clogs up the lane a little bit, so it's not like it'd be open for a bunch. Of, you know, it'd, it'd just mm-hmm. be a weird. It'd be weird. It changes up the dynamic of that team. It does. You t- look at the Lakers. I mean, they're a bunch of young guys again. If you're expecting those young dudes to compete with Golden State, not happening. And then people are talking about Houston, and if you actually do any sort of research or reading, Houston would need to do a lot of shit to not only A, open up the cap space, but B, they'd probably lose Clint Capella in that, which means that they would have to restructure Mm -hmm. their entire um, power forward and center positions, which... Where you know, I think when you look at the Golden State Very Warriors, underrated. yeah, that I, dude had a fucking hell of a series. Against I think, Golden yeah, State. I, I think so. So I, I especially I think, once Chris Paul went down. I think and if Cleveland Chris Paul is the didn't place go, to go down, Houston would be in this spot. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. Cleveland would be. Uh, it's it. I, I think to balance things out, if he stayed in Cleveland, they took in the draft pick. Maybe they could try to make a move here or there to just to spruce up the team. And honestly, the big thing with Cleveland right now too is. 
they all these new players came in at the trade deadline. Yeah. They don't know how to play with each other. They don't know how to, you know, it's like they got thrown together. Ty Lue is still changing up his minutes like crazy in, mm-hmm. the, in, in these past couple of finals games to figure out what to do, you know, and he hasn't played Rodney Hood at all, and Rodney Hood showed to be a pretty damn good player. He yeah. was like an 18 points per game scorer for the Utah Jazz, so it's like, Again, it's like maybe this Cleveland team would be better next year if they had a full summer under their belts. Yep. They brought in some young talent in the draft, and uh, they kind of just rebooted and said, you know what, let's do it again. Let's, let's do All it right, again. All right, so think about this. What if Cleveland never shipped Kyrie? LeBron said that he did not want that to happen. Yeah. And we know that Kyrie wanted that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, because you think of the chain reaction. I mean, that brought in Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder. Yep. Um, it brought in... The the pick that they have this year, which ended up not even being very good, it's like number eight or whatever. But then that but turned still, into number eight's a decent pick. But then that turned into Jordan Clarkson and and Larry Nance Jr. and uh, it, it turned into uh, Rodney Hood. Yeah, uh, you know. So I'm not exactly sure. You know, I, I don't know. Part of me always thinks, you know, what what if they would have just kept the team that they had at the beginning of the year, let Isaiah Thomas work through his woes. Um, kept D Wade because D Wade showed in the playoffs through the Miami Heat that yeah. he actually kind of he still had a had lot it. of gas in the tank. He had gas yeah. in the tank during the playoffs. He could have done something. Um, Derrick Rose did the same thing. Once playoffs came, he played really well for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So yeah. to me, I always I look at that and I go, you know what? What if they would have not done that? And I, I think that's fun to ask. But mm-hmm. you know, at this point, they've got some young players, and maybe those players could develop a little bit more, uh, learn the offense, learn how to play with LeBron James more, and they could be better. But again, it just depends on what LeBron wants to do. I've heard some crazy rumors that he could ultimately just be like, "I'm going to retire," and then he could like take a year off and wait for some of the other teams to kind of settle and then make a decision, which I think would be really interesting. Oh God! Then you have the decision too. Yeah, you would. Fuck that. Yeah. Okay, maybe LeBron just ends up joining the Cleveland Browns. I was going to say, you know? tight end for the Cleveland Browns. And why not? That'd be fun. God, I was just going through the, the score not too long ago. You know, I know we're trying to wrap this up. Jarvis Landry saying that the uh, the Browns had better quarterbacks than he ever had down in Miami. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill oh, going under the bus. Wow. That's Yikes. saying something because Tyrod Taylor, no one wanted him. Baker Mayfield, everyone didn't want him there for the longest time, so that's that's kind of cool. You know, Cleveland, watch out for that team this year. They might win eight games. I don't think so. What, you think they're going to win more than that? Man, I just – Cleveland to me is like if I were playing Madden and I was like, God, this team fucking sucks. I'm going to do everything <laughs> I can to make this team not suck. And then somehow I made all that stuff happen in Madden. That's exactly what Cleveland is, and for some yep. reason it just it makes – I feel weird about it. It's like they must have, they honestly, they must have signed like 20, 30 free agents. I mean, it yeah, was like they just re signed uh, Duke Thomas to a three year deal. Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson, whatever. Yeah. Duke Thomas. <laughs> ah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Duke Tom- yeah, it's like Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde. They drafted a running back. It's like D- Chubb. Yeah. It's like, what the, f- what? It's, they feel like stacked. It's weird. Yeah. They have like a four or five wide receivers deep Josh Gordon, uh, Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman. Mm-hmm. I think they drafted another receiver. They did. Antonio Callaway. It's like, dude. Mm-hmm. David and Joku, their tight end. It seems yeah. like they have a decent O line. They have Tyrod Taylor there, who's a playmaking quarterback. They have yep, Baker yep. Mayfield, playmaking who a lot quarterback. of playmaking quarterback. Their, defense, their defense actually, they revamped that too. It's just weird to me. It feels like on paper they have a super team, but they're just the Browns. That's why it's weird, right? Oh, it's kind of like uh, going back and looking at the Rams and what the Rams did during that time with Jeff Fisher, and then like to see that kind of you know blossom last year. Yeah, with uh, McAvey, right? That's the guy's name, coach there. 
Yeah, Sean McAvey? Sean McAvey. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Not to be I mean, confused I'm, with Ben McAdoo. Not to be confused with uh, Ben Mustache, weird haircut McAdoo. Yeah, who basically just threw the fucking Giants in the shit tank. Is he a coordinator somewhere now? I think he got a coordinating position somewhere. If I'm yeah, not he's a coordinator. Terrible head coach. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited for football. I think that's going to be a – you know, we got baseball right now, too. The Brewers are – well, actually, they've lost a couple of games in a row now. And, yeah, but uh, they're still but, doing good. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're on top. They were – well, I don't know if they still are, but they were at one point also the, the number one in the, their in their league, which yeah, is really National cool. National League, yeah. They, did, they, did, they had a run like that last year, but there's something different about this year's team. They're a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. They've been playing with each other a little bit longer. I shouldn't say that because Kristen Yelich is brand new, Lorenzo Kane's brand new. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, they just have they just, they feel they like feel they're better put, put together. together. Yeah. yeah. Like the, like on paper, you're like it does make sense. They're good. Last year it was like, how are they good? That doesn't yep. make sense. I think they just really, honestly, you know, regardless of how well their starting pitchers are playing, I think if they could trade and just get an, I think if they had like a solidified, um, ace that could eat up innings like crazy would be huge for October when the mm-hmm. playoffs come around because I think you need that guy in do or die games you need to have or or the games prior to that to, to close games out you need to have the guy like your Clayton Kershaw's yeah. and your Justin Verlanders and your Max Scherzer's and your um you know for the Cubs for the longest time it was John Lester's um you need you like need those guys that are proven commodities in the playoffs and I don't know that the Brewers have that on their pitching staff right Which now. Which is also to say that you know some of those names that you did mention though like their franchises have had pretty bad history as of late yeah. too in the postseason especially look at the Nationals, look at the Dodgers, stuff like that. If you if you want a guy like an ace to at least get you 5 to 6 innings, that's perfect. But you also need your bats to work. Yeah. Yeah, and that's We'll see. I mean, who knows? The Brewers could just totally suck ass the rest of the season and yeah. they don't even make the playoffs again, which is would not surprise me, but we'll see, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's it this week for Grapple Talk. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, always hit us up on the Facebooks or the Twitters as well. Yeah, at the Grapple Talk on Twitter, otherwise Facebook.com slash the Grapple Talk. You can find us there and, uh, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. We also post upcoming wrestling shows, including mm-hmm. um, this weekend's RCCW show. It's going to be on Friday in Lacrosse. And, uh, yeah, just check us out. Make sure to leave that like and, uh, you know, join us on this adventure. Yeah, of definitely. love. It is basically an adventure of love. It's an adventure of love. All right, dude. Well, that's it for this week's Grapple Talk. We'll catch you guys next time right here on the Grapple Talk Network. Deuces.